You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Well, good morning, Grace Community Church family. It's really good to say that, seeing you face-to-face. Um, it's... Um, you are not looking any worse for the wear. In fact, the farther back we go, the better you look back there. I'm, it was an exceptionally good-looking group of seniors this morning. Uh, don't you think? That was really good. We're grateful for uh, all the ones that the Lord has brought through our church family. We're praying for them as they move on. Well, they're not moving too far, and that's a good thing, too. Uh, I know a lot of you are... Uh, watching from home, the youngest among us and those who care for the youngest among us and the eldest among us and those who care for the eldest among us are at home. Allison sends her greetings. She would very much like to be here and hopefully will be next week, but she had a really great day on Friday, which meant she didn't have such a good day yesterday because she overdid it, but it's going along very fine and she's so grateful for all of your comments and prayers. Well, Because we are out in the weather, and thankfully, we've got a nice, relatively cool day for early June, Uh, but because we're out in the weather for the foreseeable future, uh, it's going to be a pattern that the sermons, really the whole service will be shorter than typical. I and others who will be preaching will preach shorter messages on Sunday morning so long as we gather outside. And um, also, I'm going to be taking a break from the gospel of john it really needs a little more careful attention than able to give in this particular time although the text this morning is fairly serious as well so i want you to think back to the first of the year did did, i don't know you don't raise your hand on this but i wonder if how many of you keep journals you you write out your new year's resolutions or your goals for the year and then you review at certain times of the year do, do you make notes at the first of the year and if you did what were you thinking about in january it december of 2019 or january of 2020 i mean there is absolutely no way that we would have anticipated being at home as much as we have been and it, it to be at home and be together and be able to worship online To worship online three months in a row, we would have never dreamed of that. Uh, Others of us would have to think, well, also, I just can't imagine the state that our country is in right now. Some of you may would say, well, I've seen this coming for a while, but I doubt you anticipated it would be May and June of 2020, especially after we had been isolated for so long, or maybe that is the perfect time for that to happen so if life is unsettled in our day just think of how turbulent the times were and life always was for the apostle paul as he went all over the roman empire empire sharing the gospel with the gentiles what if paul had said you know what i'm just not gonna do it i'm not gonna suffer like this life 
It's too important for me to throw away like this, beaten up all the time, thrown into prison. Well, well, God would have raised up someone else, but the Apostle Paul did obey God's call on his life. And we enjoy the fruits of his ministry almost 2,000 years later. So our text this morning is Acts 17, verses 16 to 34. Again, it's on your digital bulletin, or if you've got your Bible, you can open it there. It's the account of Paul's defense of the gospel before the esteemed council of the Areopagus on Mars Hill in Athens. I want to encourage you in the next few days to read both Acts 16 and 17. Even as I was coming to the end of, uh, of my preparation on this, I, I started thinking, you know, I may spend a lot of time in the book of Acts this summer. I'm going to be preaching, but I'm also going to be sharing the pulpit with our other preachers on staff, three other preachers on staff, and then elders and former missionaries we've got. Lots of folks in our body who are capable of sharing the word with all of us. But when I'm preaching, I may be in the book of Acts because it, there are so many consistent, consistent kind of issues that Paul had that we face, or issues that he faced that are consistent with a lot of the issues that we face in our day preaching the gospel. So read Acts 16 and 17 the next two weeks and you're going to find riots and political power moves and singing and praising God in jail under persecution and speaking truth to power and philosophy and authority and a masterful contextualization of the gospel. In the middle of it all, you're going to find the Apostle Paul sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to people who, for the most part, did not even want, they didn't want to hear even the, even want to hear the gospel because it threatened their way of life. Paul was hated and ridiculed. Why? Because he was a Jew. Because he was monotheistic in his beliefs. Because he was vocal about his faith. Because he was a threat to the local synagogue. Because he was a threat to local political structures and culturally approved ways and modes of thinking. Because he was a threat to the local economy. Because he represented the one true God and his son, Jesus, who died for our sins and was resurrected for our justification. And because he preached an undeniably powerful message that went against the grain of the culture and the times. The gospel always has, always will go against the spirit of the age. From my earliest days of training to be a minister of the gospel, I heard it said that a preacher must prepare the message for Sunday morning with a Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other. And that will show you how long ago my training began to have a newspaper in one hand. The Apostle Paul certainly used his knowledge of the world, history, philosophy, uh, current issues during his stay in Athens. Preaching and reasoning with both Jews and Gentiles. Reading and studying different accounts of Paul's life and acts, you begin to understand the heart of the man. And here is what you conclude, and this is very important. Everything Paul did and said 
was said and done in the service of the gospel. Everything he said, everything he did was done in the service of the gospel. Acts 17, verses 16 to 34 is our text. So before we work our way through this text, would you bow your head with me in prayer this morning? Father, thank you so much for giving us a relatively cool morning with a nice breeze and clouds over the sun. We ask your blessing on our time. We, we are grateful to be together, but we also are here with heavy hearts and we mourn because of the wound to the soul of our nation. We pray that you will open our hearts to your word as we examine a text that speaks truth to our age and to every age. As we examine your word, Lord, May you and may your word examine us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When you read about Paul's travels and when you read his letters, you quickly begin to realize that almost always Paul had companions with him. He had ministry companions, some he was mentoring, and he would send this one there, he would send that one there. But somebody was almost always with him until we get to the middle of Acts 17, and we find Paul, having sent a few of his companions to different places, alone in the city of Athens. It was one of the most impressive cities in the world, by human standards, that is. So what did Paul think of Athens? Verses 16 to 18. Now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. One of the contemporaries in those early days had said it was easier to find a God in the city of Athens than it was to find a human being. The impressive statues to the gods around town were made of, of the finest marble and stone and wood. Paul's response, though, was to grieve over the people's misplaced worship. The Greek word for provoked indicated a strong emotion that expressed righteous anger and jealousy for God's glory. Now, he didn't express that out loud to other people. He kept it to himself, but that's what he felt in his soul. His soul was stirred up because of the idolatry in Athens. Ever the evangelist, rather than expressing his anger, Paul began at the synagogues reasoning from the scriptures and proclaiming Jesus to Jews and, and, and the righteous Gentiles. And then he reasoned daily with men and women in the marketplace or in our day, he was in the coffee houses, sharing Christ 
with different people. At one end of the marketplace, uh, the Agora, were schools of the major philosophies of the day, the Epicureans and the Stoics. It, it is almost criminal re to reduce the thoughts of these two philosophical disciplines to one-liners, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, just to give you an idea, Epicureans followed the rule of eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. While Stoics followed a line of thinking that would be more akin to what we know as the prayer of serenity. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, to the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Oddly enough, both Epicureans and um, Stoics, I'm sure I'm going to say Epicureans at some point. I love to throw in that little extra syllable uh, in words sometimes. But both Epicureans and Stoics, neither one believed in the resurrection. And so they took different approaches to life. The Epicureans said, hey, live it up. This is it. You only live once. And, and the Stoics said, exactly, you only live once. Make the best of it. Today, the Stoics would say, may be the last day of your life. Call your mother. Well, okay, they didn't have phones, but you get the point. So they were both offended and intrigued that Paul preached the resurrection of Jesus. When some asked, what does this babbler wish to say? You will not be surprised to know that they were mocking him. The, the word babbler uh, would be literally translated seed picker. It's like a bird that goes around a scavenger bird picking up any seed that he can. And so the point was they were accusing him of plagiarizing, grabbing a little bit from this religion, a little bit from that religion. And, and, and so he had put together this weird kind of thought about life. And the charge against the Apostle Paul that he was preaching about foreign gods, and that, by the way, they said he was preaching about foreign gods because of his words about the resurrection. That was the same charge that had been brought against Socrates 450 years earlier. Then verses 19 to 21. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus saying, may we know what this new strange teaching, or may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting. Now it says they took him. It doesn't mean they said, hey, I think you'd really do well at the Areopagus. They were like, no, you're coming with us. You're going to give an account for what you're saying. For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. The Areopagus was a council of some of the most intelligent men in the world. It was strictly men at the time. A modern day equivalent might be a council in a city like Boston made up of male and female professors from Harvard University, MIT, Boston University, and Wellesley College. It's debatable whether the Areopagus had the same level of authority that it had once enjoyed. In other words, it's debatable whether they could have had Paul arrested or in earlier days they could have even had him executed. But this council had a lot of influence and just like we see today, you get on the wrong side of this council, your life is nothing in society. 
You're messed up. You say the wrong thing. You better choose your words carefully or you're in trouble. So although the council loved new ideas, you needed to be persuasive in what you said if you wanted to stay on the right side of them. Paul's speech to this esteemed council was magnificent. We can read it in two to three minutes, but it was more likely a two-hour talk somewhere in that neighborhood that was very well developed. We are only given the high points. Paul, and they didn't recognize this initially, but they did after he was done speaking. Paul was the intellectual equal of the men that he stood before. And their reaction at the end of his speech was emotional rather than rational, revealing their frustration with their inability to refute him logically. But it was not logic that Paul cared about, logical though he was. Paul's concerns, his interests, were spiritual in nature. And remember this. Everything Paul did, he did in the service of the gospel. I'm going to read this summary of Paul's speech without interruption, then make a few remarks, really just pointing to what we're going to talk about last week and then close in prayer. So we're going to, again, we're going to examine this sermon more carefully next week. But for now, just to read the sermon beginning in verse 22. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. Now think about this. It's interesting, isn't it? Epicureans, Stoics, neither one. I said I'm going to read it without interruption. I don't make it to the second verse. I'm sorry. Think about it. He's calling them religious, although none, neither of the major philosophy groups believe in an afterlife. I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, what therefore you worship as unknown, I proclaim to you. This I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, <coughs> having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet, he is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, 
We ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed the day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man, by the standard of a man, whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst, but some men joined him and believed, among who were Dionysius the Areopagite and a woman named Damaris and others with them. I have researched all week and I cannot determine if this is Gina Damaris or another Damaris. I think she's too young, so it's probably not her. Next Sunday morning, as we analyze Paul's talk slash sermon at Mars Hill, we will think about the religious nature of all human regards all humans, regardless of their belief or non-belief in God. We're all religious. We all have creeds. We all have laws, rules by which we function in our religion. Paul's sermon will address our common humanity and the differences God has built into his image bearers and the boundaries he has placed on nations and individuals. His sovereignty over all matters will be on display as we think about the contradiction of racism and the foolishness of idolatry. There will be a call to repentance and a charge to put our hope and trust in Jesus, who is the only hope of the world, both this world and the next. So would you pray with me as we acknowledge the pain in our land right now, caused by abuse of power and unjust violence, and as we ask the Lord to heal our nation. Dear God, creator of the universe, creator of all mankind, and redeemer of those you call to be your own, we humble ourselves before you. According to your command, Lord, we weep with those who weep. Our hearts are broken by cruel injustices practiced in a land that prides itself on equal justice and equal opportunity for all. We acknowledge the sin and brokenness in our own hearts, even as we proclaim as we do every week that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. To acknowledge that all are broken is not to deflect individual accountability for the pain and suffering experienced by men and women of color in our nation and around the world. We confess our brokenness and we acknowledge our responsibility to stand against evil. We ask your forgiveness for our sinful hearts even as we acknowledge 
that the only hope of the world is Jesus. We recognize that there are no divine promises made to nations, but only to individuals who repent of their sins and put their trust in Jesus Christ. Even so, Lord, we ask for your mercy on our land. Heal our nation and our people. May we treat all men and women with the dignity and respect that all image bearers deserve. As believers, may we humbly yield to your will and your instruction. And may we find true hope in the message of the gospel, which promises eternal life to believers through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, before whom we bow and in whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.